Hello, and welcome to the Solutions Insiders podcast. My name is Jody Fleming, president of NCHA Strategic Partners. We are excited to be joined today by Deb Daly, director of corporate strategy at Bamboo Health, to talk a little bit about care gaps. We'll examine some common causes of gaps in patient care and what those gaps mean for the patient and the provider. Then we will look at the ways to address care gaps and learn about Bamboo Health's new care gaps solution. Deb, thank you so much for joining us today. But before we explore the care gaps topic, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, and a little bit about Bamboo Health? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my name is Deb Daly, and I am our Director of Corporate Strategy here at Bamboo Health. Um, So I've been with the company for a little over three years in a variety of roles. Um, And prior to Bamboo, uh, my background is really in the Medicaid space. Um, So here at Bamboo Health, uh, we're the leader in real-time care intelligence, and we deliver insights to and from the largest and most interoperable care collaboration community in the country. So each of our solutions really delivers actionable insights on a patient's physical, behavioral, and social health, all of which really empowers healthcare organizations, so both providers and payers, uh, to provide the right care at the right time and for the right outcomes. And then in North Carolina specifically, We work with um, a pretty broad array of healthcare organizations, and the state government actually funds two of our solutions. Um, So the first of those solutions is our prescription drug monitoring program, which gives clinicians access to data and analytics on controlled substance prescribing and dispensations right within their EHR. Um, And there's about 914 license holders across almost 6,000 facilities in North Carolina using that product. Um, The second solution is OpenBeds, which is a closed-loop digital referral network that provides real-time information on behavioral health bed availability. And then lastly, we also support over 100 hospitals and over 785 post-acute facilities with our PING solution, um, which is where we deliver real-time e-notifications on patient events at hospitals, EDs, and post-acutes from our national network of ADT data. Thank you so much. So let's let's walk through a little bit of this as far as you know understanding truly what is a gap in patient care. Yeah, absolutely. So gaps in patient care can really mean a lot of different things, um, and usually that term care gaps is used to reference quality measures uh, like HEDIS measures or Medicare Advantage Stars measures that are designed to measure activities uh, that generally correlate with high quality care and positive patient outcomes. Um, But really, at the end of the day, a care gap occurs when something should be happening in a patient's care journey, but is not. Um, So, for example, a care gap can be as simple as not receiving an annual wellness visit or as complex as, you know, not receiving the appropriate follow-up care after an inpatient stay or even managing a patient's HbA1c levels. So where in the continuum of care do gaps really typically happen? Where do they occur? Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic question. Um, so care gaps can really arise at any point in the care continuum. Um, but overall, what we typically see as the main culprit is a lack of care coordination. So care coordination is a term that's you know thrown around a lot, um, and sometimes it can can lose its meaning. But we've all experienced it, um, and sometimes that care coordination is really more impactful than others. So we found that transitions of care, so moving from one level of care to another, for example, um, are really ripe opportunities for care gaps to arise and poor care coordination. 
Um, and so in the industry, transitions are very well known to be sort of high value critical moments in a patient's care journey, which we at Bamboo like to call the moments that matter, um, during which a missed follow-up, for example, could lead to duplicative care, readmissions, um, and an overall slower recovery for, for the patient. And then transitions are also a great opportunity for providers to have really positive touch points with their patients, sort of getting them in for needed preventive care and really taking the opportunity um, to create a good you know, experience for that patient as a consumer of healthcare. So it really can lead into the positive patient experience as well as a family experience um, to be a more positive experience as a whole in healthcare, correct? Absolutely. And, you know, when we think about measuring quality in the healthcare space, you really want to think about both, you know, the actual measurable health outcomes and also, you know, the consumer experience of healthcare, because that's important in how we think about the rest of our lives as well. Yeah, exactly. So how are those gaps traditionally identified in a healthcare setting? Gaps can be uncovered in a few different ways. But I would say the theme here is really that they're almost always uncovered when it's too late um, to kind of have the most impact on a patient's care. So in an ideal world, providers would, one, be able to proactively know um, what action items need to be completed to really prevent those care gaps in the first place. Um, And two, when prevention isn't possible, be able to react in real time during those moments that matter. And both of those ideals really require real-time data and sort of actionable intelligence um, in order to, you know, get the things that need to be done. Today, however, care gaps are typically identified by a review of member history and prior claims data. So that's either done by the health plan or a provider org. But that process inherently requires a lot of analysis and comparison of data sets. Um, So it's typically lagged and reviewed in retrospect as opposed to in real time. Because usually that's, it it can typically be like a three-month lag time in some of that claims data, correct? Exactly. So if you think about it, you're looking at, you know, a set of claims that might be 60 to 90 days lagged, and then separately looking at, you know, some clinical data from the EHR, combining those with, you know, other, any other data sets that are available, and you end up with kind of a myriad of different pictures of current state. So there's so many different pieces and moving parts when we're talking about providing health care, when these gaps truly emerge, where does the responsibility fall? On, who, on whose shoulders does that really fall? Yeah. So if you think about it, every organization touching patient care is at least partially responsible for closing care gaps. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really provider organizations. So both health systems and independent practices that are really responsible for ensuring that the right patient care is happening at the right time. Um, And in other words, closing and preventing those care gaps. And frankly, this has become increasingly challenging for provider orgs and health systems as, you know, they all continue to grow and treat different types of patients with different coverage and, you know, different care needs. But so if you think about, you know, care gaps as quality measures, the complexity that those uh, provider organizations um, needs to manage to has just continued to increase, especially in a state like North Carolina, where you have Medicare ACOs, Medicare Advantage plans, new Medicaid managed organizations, um, managed care organizations, excuse me, um, you know, kind of all coming together and, you know, different patients having different needs and different requirements sort of attached to them. Yes, and, and especially in North Carolina, as we're trying to move towards more Medicaid managed care and value-based purchasing of care, 
you know, it's extremely important to be able to understand where those gaps are and how to address them. So like really how have providers addressed them in the past? I mean, is it just a manual type of, of uh, monitoring or, or in your experience, what have you seen? Yeah. So from an operational perspective, um, primary care practices really bear the brunt of the work to kind of get those gaps closed since the necessary actions typically take place in an ambulatory setting and then are also part of preventive care. Um, so we see PCPs and really their, their teams kind of address those in a variety of ways, um, but there are sort of three common ones. Uh, first, like I mentioned earlier, um, the provider teams will conduct monthly reviews of quality measure performance, leveraging plan data and or EHR data. And that really allows providers to identify care gaps that occurred within that last month and then also how they're trending overall in terms of care gap closure. Um, Second, on the ground, care coordinators and other support staff will review patient history, including those care gaps, prior to a scheduled patient visit. And then they'll put that information in front of the clinician, typically via a printout or a note in the EHR during the visit, so the clinician can take those action steps. Um, And then lastly, there are a range of technologies and data out there that support providers in doing this work. Um, And based on what we've kind of heard, the most effective tools uh, are those that really provide real-time and actionable data, um, but really work to kind of reduce the legwork and kind of combing through those data sets and really provide clarity on the source of truth. So on the patient side, what is the overall significance of gaps in patient care and what does it truly mean for the patient? Yeah, so care gaps really are a significant um, component of a patient's care journey. Really not closing those care gaps um, leads to inefficient and ineffective patient care most often. Um, And I think this is easiest to think about, you know, in a real world example. So if we take an example of an older patient um, with diabetes and hypertension that lives alone, um, and let's say this patient, you know, has historically been able to manage their conditions really well. So they don't have a lot of needs. They, they kind of know how to manage themselves. Um, and because of that, they haven't had, you know, an annual wellness visit in a while. And maybe their PCP isn't really routinely measuring their HbA1c as often as they might for a different patient. And so let's say, you know, after a stressful life event, this patient is not exercising as much. You know, their healthy eating habits have gone downhill. And over time, their condition worsens until they wind up in the ED Um, with a foot injury due to neuropathy um, that eventually requires an amputation. And so after that procedure, you know, the patient is discharged home. And again, since they live alone, um, they had a difficult time in recovery and they wind up back in the hospital a couple of weeks later. Um, And that's not an unusual story. That's something that happens all the time. And there are a few care gaps in that example that if they had been closed, um, might've led to a different outcome. So first, uh, that patient missed annual wellness visits and didn't have routine screenings. And if those had happened, um, they might have prompted intervention kind of prior to the uh, condition getting worse. Second, um, the PCP in this example never knew um, that this inpatient stay was occurring, so they didn't know to follow up with the patient afterwards. Um, And doing so, uh, they may have learned that the patient needed more supports, could have provided those, and that could have actually prevented the readmission at the end of the day. So each of those care gaps, the annual wellness visit, the screenings, follow-up visit, um, and readmission um, are all measured by these quality measures and really are intended to 
you know, show where the opportunities for improvement are. Right. And that's a, really a good point to be making is that those care gaps can be dangerous for a patient, but if there are reductions in care gaps, then what we see is better outcomes, better care, more preventative like care versus being reactive. So proactive versus reactive. So Deb, we've talked a little bit about the gaps in care and how that can negatively affect the health of patients. But let's talk a little bit about the providers. Um, Beyond a missed opportunity to provide any kind of care, how do gaps in care impact the provider, whether it's a hospital or a health system or physician clinic or even a hospice and palliative care? Yeah. Um, So I'd say there's really two kind of types of impact on providers. Uh, The first is financial and the second is sort of quality um, or really reputation and relationship with their patients. Um, So in terms of the financial impacts, I kind of break these into two buckets. Um, The first is if a provider org is at risk for a given population of patients that they care for. Um, So, for example, they participate in a Medicare ACO or an APM contract with a a plan. Um, The not closing care gaps, as we've discussed, can lead to poorer patient outcomes in the long term, which really results in higher cost of care. And so in those types of arrangements, um, that will typically lead to kind of a less than ideal sort of financial outcome for that provider org. Um, And similarly, in those APM contracts with payers, uh, they often include bonuses or withholds for performance on specific quality measures as well. And so provider orgs um, who perform well on those those carry gap closures will also have an opportunity to uh, earn additional revenue as well. Um, And sort of the second area of financial impact is uh, really closing care gaps often represents an opportunity to bring the patient back into the PCP's office for a visit to ensure they're receiving clinically necessary preventive care. And that in turn can really benefit health systems and all of those provider orgs that you mentioned by ensuring the patient is fully cared for within that organization, including any additional referrals and whatnot, um, as opposed to that patient needing to seek care elsewhere. Um, And so then outside of financial impact, uh, every provider org and health system really wants to ensure that they're providing the highest quality care possible with top-notch patient experience. And so one of the best ways to do that is closing care gaps and ensuring patients uh, get the care they need proactively. And on the flip side, um, when organizations aren't kind of having that keen focus on quality, Patients might have, you know, a poor experience or not have their needs met or experience a poor health outcome, which in turn would make them less likely to kind of return to that system for future care, Um, you know, which is not an outcome that any of us wants. That's true. And I think that one of the the ways that we refer to that um, is that patient leakage. Yes. Yeah. That's one of the ways, too, that you want to know where your patients are going if they're not coming to you. And then how can you prevent that? Exactly. Yeah. So how exactly does the information, you know, are what are the barriers and the misalignment in workflows between providers and how does that translate to even more open care gaps? 
Yeah. So this is a great question um, and gets complicated quickly. So I'll keep it very simple and focus on, you know, care gaps as defined by those sort of quality measure sets. Um, and so closing care gaps is, as we've discussed, really challenging for providers. Um, and that's partially due to kind of all the different requirements they have to manage to across different payers. Um, and there's sort of an ever increasing amount of complexity and things to measure. Um but for these care gaps in particular, the plans are technically the source of truth. So in other words, at the end of the year, when performance is measured, it's really based on a combination of claims and clinical records sort of as audited by the plan. Um, and that's really important because it means that plans and providers really need to have a common understanding of what care gaps are open versus closed for any given patient and at the population level. Um, but they typically operate off of two totally different data sets. Um, and so in terms of a workflow, the plan will typically be uh, working off of and measuring performance based on claims data, which um, are typically lagged by 60 to 90 days from when the counter actually occurred. Um, whereas provider organizations will be working off of their clinical and EHR data, which is more real time, but may not capture 100% of patients' care if they've gone you know, to a different organization or a different system. And so inherently using those two data sets requires reconciliation of the data um, and the difference in timing can really create misalignment in that workflow. Um, so one of the more common workflows we see plans use to address this with their providers is to create a shared performance dashboard and a record of patient-level open care gaps um, based on the claims data that they review with providers on a monthly basis. Um, however, that, that really means that you know, the plan and the provider are looking at a retrospective review, and the provider is sort of still responsible for ensuring that you know, they're able to figure out what gaps are open for the patient in front of me in real time. So when providers are measuring success, when trying to meet the needs and the care of their patients, what are the most effective ways and what are the metrics that they are truly looking at in order to show that success? Yeah, so um, in general and at a high level, I would say quality measures and patient experience measures are sort of the best way we have to, to understand whether patient care needs are met. And so there's a few different sets that are commonly used. Um, I would say the HEDIS and Medicare Advantage star rating measure sets are really good for measuring preventive care and longitudinal clinical management. Um, and then the CAPS measure set is really focused on patient experience, which is always good to strive for and then can also sort of serve an, as an indication of whether patients' needs are being met. And I think those are useful to leverage just for ongoing measurement uh, for a few reasons. First, they're used kind of across the board in healthcare. So an understanding of performance from one org to another is pretty aligned and, and kind of easy to compare. And second, they're really clear and well-defined. So you don't have to come up with a protocol to measure something. You don't have to figure out, you know, are there unintended, um, you know, impacts on that measure for your own organization. Although, you know, you can always do that to supplement anything you'd like. And then in terms of how effective those measures are, you know, measuring something as ambiguous as good patient care is just really challenging and there's always going to be room for improvement. 
but really figuring out one, what matters the most in terms of what are, you know, what is the point? Where are you trying to get to? And the best way to measure it with the data you have um, will be critical. And so one thing that we always suggest providers do is really uh, align their day-to-day work to those kind of longer-term, higher-order measures by identifying the process steps that they believe will kind of lead to that long-term outcome and then measuring against those. So, for example, if one of those measures is your follow-up visit rate, for example, or your scheduling rate, you know, what are the, the kind of key indicators along the way that tell you, yes, I'm on track to, you know, hit, hit my measurement for this particular patient? That's, that's a great example. Thank you. Can you explain the relationship between gaps in care as defined by CMS ratings and HEDIS? Yeah, that's a great question. And this is something that is always confusing. Um, so the way I think about it is that the HEDIS measures, which are developed by NCQA, um, are really sort of a standard measure set uh, that can be used to kind of evaluate performance on key metrics that are generally aligned with good health outcomes. And those can be used in a variety of ways. So you can kind of pull from that measure set um, to, you know, understand what's going on with your own organization. Um, They can be pulled to measure particular programs, but that's kind of just a a standard measure set that, you know, is out in the world. And then uh, on the other side, the CMS Medicare Advantage Star Ratings Program is very specifically designed for the Medicare Advantage plans to measure and incentivize them around high quality. So there are measures in that MA star rating set, for example, that are HEDIS measures. Um, and they're basically used as you know one of the, the set that plans are incentivized around. So Deb, Bamboo Health has unveiled a solution to help combat the rising care gaps problems. And this will foster better collaboration between providers and payers. Can you tell me a little bit more about what Bamboo Healthcare Gaps Solutions really is, and then what problems does it address? Um, Bamboo Health really recognizes that information barriers and misaligned workflows between providers and plans can hamper improvement in quality measures, especially those included in the Medicare Advantage STARS program and other value-based care contracts. Um, so our CareGaps product is a full coverage solution that delivers real-time care intelligence needed to effectively close gaps in care during the moments that matter most. Um, and so it does this by actively surfacing care gaps in real time and within provider workflows by leveraging Bamboo Health's uh, robust uh, national ADT network and our existing relationships with providers and plans nationally. And so with the CareGaps product, um, providers and health plans can really better collaborate and improve member care, which should lead to improved quality ratings and increased revenue as well. So what are some of the features, key components? Um, and then really, how does Bamboo use the um, admissions discharge transfers platform, so your ADT platform, to optimize care coordination? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there are five sort of key components of the CareGap solution. Um, first is those real-time CareGap notifications. And this is where we really leverage the ADT and PINGS network. So we'll actively surface care gaps to providers uh, in real time and in their workflow, um, some of which are based off of those ADT data. 
Um, the second component is really actionable next steps for providers. So we'll work with providers to set up appropriate workflows um, within our tool and outside of the tool um, to identify members uh, with open care gaps. So the third component of the solution is uh, real-time analytics. So the Care Gaps product fosters enhanced collaboration between plans and providers through real-time reporting and analytics of quality measure success. This is really critical for both plans and providers as it creates a shared understanding and record of which care gaps are open and closed. Um, the fourth component is in-workflow delivery. So the Care Gaps product works directly within a provider organization's existing workflow, including directly within the EHR and other care coordination tools. So a centralized solution like that really means fewer tools um, are needed to capture and share data, and it's a really seamless experience for the providers themselves. Um, and then lastly, uh, for all of our solutions, we provide comprehensive technical support. And so we'll provide dedicated support resources to really manage the implementation and ongoing use of the product, including all the technical components, training, um, and any support that providers really need to kind of be successful with the tool. So how can the CareGap solution um, improve patient outcomes? And then how will that be measured? With CareGaps, um, a prompt transfer of data and insights between plans and providers will translate to fewer open care gaps, meaning that patients are really receiving the appropriate care at the right time. Um, and in terms of where providers using the CareGaps product will see those results, the solution will drive an increased care gap closure rate um, by supporting provider staff in doing this work today. Um, and provider orgs should also see an increased clarity into the open gaps and staff should have much more seamless workflows. And overall, providers will experience a higher rate of gap closer. So that basically means they're going to be more efficient in improving patient outcomes for their patients, correct? Exactly. Great. How does care gaps increase revenue for providers and health plans? Um, so for providers, CareGaps really increases revenue in two ways. Um, first, if a provider org is at risk for a population that they treat, so for example, they participate in a VBC or APM contract with a plan, um, they're often held to performance standards on specific quality thresholds to receive a bonus or earn back a withhold. Um, and then second, closing care gaps often represents an opportunity to bring the patient into the PCP's office for a visit, um, again, ensuring they receive that clinically necessary preventive care, but that in turn can also benefit the health system or provider org um, by keeping patients in network and really driving referrals and patient visit revenue. Um, and then on the health plan side, and in particular for Medicare Advantage and Medicaid managed care organizations, um, revenue is really based around uh, meeting the STARS and Medicaid quality measures. So Medicare Advantage plans earn uh, significant benefits from achieving a four-plus star rating, which includes a 5% capitation bonus, um, a rebate on the delta between their bid and the benchmark to provide supplemental benefits, as well as continuous enrollment throughout the year. And then for Medicaid MCOs, this varies a bit state-by-state. But typically, Medicaid agencies will include a few quality measures in the MCO's contract with a capitation bonus or withhold or even both um, that's tied to achieving a certain performance level. Great information. A lot of information, but information that seems to be increasingly beneficial for not only the provider, but the patient when they're receiving care, how they're receiving care, 
um, and receiving the right care, just like you said. Thank you so much, Deb, for sitting down and talking with me today. And if people want to learn more about Bamboo Health, where should they go? Absolutely. Um, Folks can always go to our website, uh, bamboohealth.com. Or if you'd like a faster response, um, you can always email connect at bamboohealth.com as well. Great. Well, thank you again. Really appreciate talking with you today. Thanks so much. Great chatting today. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Solutions Insider, brought to you by NCHA Strategic Partners and co-produced by Healthcare Experience Foundation. If you want to learn more about our solutions, please visit ncha.org slash strategic partners.